Good morning, all. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you're very welcome, especially if you're here for the first time. You'll find a sheet, an A4 sheet on your seat there if you grab a hold of that. We're working our way through the Bible book by book, and we've made our way up to Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And really, at this point, everything changes. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Okay. At this point, everything changes in the Bible. If you haven't been with us so far, no problem. Do you know what we've seen? We've seen the, we've seen the best and the worst of God's people. We've seen some terrible disasters in the lives of, Christ, of followers of God. And we've seen some fantastic victories. Pretty typical, to be honest. Right? And God just tells us the whole story but when you get the Proverbs, it kind of stops. And it's almost like God says, okay, let's all just pause one moment and think about what we've seen so far and think about the mistakes that other people have made. Remember, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. Let's just think about the mistakes that others have made and let's make a recalculation of our own lives. Now, I did a study in, in the book of Proverbs about two years ago, and I got an immediate shock because I found that if you calculate all the Scriptures from the wisest man who ever lived, you find that he talks most about relationships. The wisest man who ever lived, the, 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 the bulk of advice he gives is about how we get on with other people. Amazing. I wouldn't have thought that. He talks a lot about finances and how to be blessed in finances. And thirdly, I've written on your notes there, personal development, which is the part of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes I want to look at. Many parts of the Scripture talk about your mind. Many parts of the Scripture talk about your tongue. But so far, in all the books we have looked at and studied, this, these two things, your mind and your tongue, haven't really featured. It's when you get to Proverbs that it's the first serious place in Scripture where these two things, our mind and our tongue, are actually brought into focus. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't be offended. <laughs> what are you? what are you? If someone said to you, not who are you, if someone said to you, what are you? What would you answer? You could say, a Christian, a human being. I'm a human being. Now, all over this world, folks, you will find many different answers to what a human being is. And about many years ago, about 15, 17 years ago, something like that, I started to look at what a human being was, what I am. Who am I? What am I? How did you make me God? Help me understand myself. I mean, if you buy a car, you know, it's good to know how the thing works so that if it breaks down, you can at least attempt to fix it. God, what am I? What is a human being? And as I started to study that, I found some very, very surprising things. I got a little bit confused, and I found... Could I have my first slide, please, Stefan? I, I found this particular format of approaching who I am very helpful to me. Follow me. When God made Adam, he gave him a body in Genesis 1 all the way to Genesis 3. He gave him a body and a soul. But at that point, Adam was an animal. Okay. So he had a body and a soul. But then God did something amazing. What was it? The Bible says the ruah, the wind of God, God breathed. And this set man apart from everything else that God had created. The breath of God came in and it says Adam became, became a living being. Wonderful. God had, had shared himself, had come and wanted to inhabit human beings, vessels. Fantastic. But you know the story. Very quickly, when you get to Genesis 3, what happens? The fall. 
Adam and Eve sin, and now you've got a very different scenario. Now, after Adam sinned, he still has a body, he still has a soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. After Adam sinned, he still had a body, he still had a soul, but now the God bit, the spiritual part of him, the part of him that God spoke to was dead, stone dead. You know, if you're born again, this is you, no problem, your body, soul, and living spirit. But see your family, if they're not saved, your friends, if they're not saved, this is what they are like. They have a body, they have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, but they have a dead spirit. Because they have a soul, mind, will, emotions, they can laugh, they can love, they can fall in love, they can get angry, because they have everything except that spirit. So when you talk to your friends, you can talk to them on soulish issues. You can talk to them about life and about your family, and everything's fine. But you notice the difference when you get to the spiritual realm, because that's the place where they cannot hear. Your spirit is the part of you that God talks to. Your spirit is that, you know, place of communion between you and God. And they don't have that. It's completely dead in them. Now, it didn't stop there. Adam was, was given the spirit of life within him, but then he fell, and then God had a problem. Now, if you turn to Genesis chapter 3 a moment, you'll see what God did. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. Take a look at this. Genesis 3, 21. I'll actually read from 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore God sent him forth into the garden. He drove the man out. And it says here that he made skins for them. He made a skin, an animal skin, and he covered the man. Now, look, folks, do you understand what's happening here? Look at me. Adam has got a dead spirit, and God is heartbroken. He looks down. Do you know the first thing God does? What? He gets an animal. And he takes the skin off the animal with the blood on it, and he puts the skin over Adam and over Eve, and they were covered, and the spirit within them was renewed. And God was able to talk to them again. It's a little bit of a foreshadow that blood was going to be needed to be shed for us to have that relationship with God. However, everybody born after Adam, I'm sorry to say, folks, Adam, God covered Adam with blood, but everybody else born after Adam is born like this, I'm afraid. Okay? They're born with a dead spirit within them, that part of them. And in fact, when you get saved, God doesn't fix up the old spirit, you know, polish it up, and that's not what happens. What do you become? A brand new thing. You become a new creation. And you know, with all your heart, that's good news for someone here this morning. Because some of you feel like the old you, fixed up. Well, you're not. You're a brand new creation, a brand new spirit, and that's a fantastic thing. So, everyone here and everybody you know is somewhere on that list. Either saved, being saved, or lost. Could I have my next slide, please? I also found this very helpful. There's many different types of people, but for example, here's three major categories, and I want you to find yourself on this chart here somewhere. Some people, their body rules, and the order of authority in their lives is body first, okay? And the soul would be second. They can control their emotions. And lastly, the Spirit is subdued. The Spirit is in them. They are born again. But they're not strong believers. 
very weak believers. There's another category of Christian, those who are soul-led or those in whom their soul dominates. Their emotions rule, okay? Their emotions dominate. Now, these people can be particularly proud people because they overcome the body, if you like. They tend to be quite a proud bunch, but soul, spirit, and then body. Now, God doesn't want category one. That's the last thing He wants. But don't pride yourself on category two either, because what does God want? That the Spirit of God within you takes mastery over your mind, your will, and your emotions, takes mastery over your soul, and ultimately your body. And why am I saying all this? Because that's what the book of Proverbs leads us to see. It's a father talking to his son. And it's amazing. Solomon talking to his son. Listen, son, like a city without walls is a man who does not control his own spirit. And Solomon goes through and over many different things. And it's ironic, as I say, that after the many good times and bad we've seen thus far, I think by the time you get to Proverbs, you're ready to hear this. I hope you are. And I hope you understand yourself enough now to accept who you are, to accept the truth about yourself. Whether you are spirit-led, body-led, or soul-led, doesn't mean you're not born again. And in fact, it's not just Solomon who leads us this morning. I want to talk about you gaining self-mastery. You gaining control, self-control of your own life, of your destiny, of your future. Okay? And it's not just Solomon who talks about this. If you look at 1 Corinthians a moment, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you'll see it there as well. The very famous scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. What does it say? When I was a child, what? I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Could I have my next slide, please, Stefan? Thank you. See, Paul puts those three things in a very, very deliberate way. He says when he was a child, he talked. Because children talk first and think second, right? But it's the wrong order. It's because he was childish. And the right order of things really is what I've got written up here. What we need to do is renew our minds. We first of all need to think before we ever speak. Think first and definitely speak second. And if you get those things in a biblical order, you will start to see fruit. You will start to see changes in your life. There are three big scriptures, one for each of these things. A big scripture about the way you think is Proverbs chapter 23. In fact, turn to that, if you will. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. I'll read it from the New King James. It says this, As a man thinks, that's your mind, as a man thinks in his own heart, that's how he is. As you think of yourself, that's exactly the way you're going to be. Because the mind, believe it or not, is the, is the steering wheel of your life. Second scripture, Proverbs chapter 18. This is a famous one. Proverbs chapter 18. In fact, who can quote it to me without looking? Life and death, sorry, the, 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 the tongue has the power of... Wrong? The tongue has the power of... Wrong? Look at me, don't look at your Bible. The tongue has the power, shout it out. Do you know every Christian on this planet quotes that scripture wrong. You ask them, the tongue has the power and every person says life and death. Even the NIV actually says life and death, but it's the only one. Every other Bible says what? Death and life. Because you, please listen, folks. I, we don't have time to go into the power of the tongue. The Bible says your tongue has got the power of death and life. In other words, the natural fruit, just like the soil, the natural thing a soil does is produce weeds. The natural thing, it's a fallen world, you see. But if you master that, you can produce flowers. And Scripture actually says your tongue, if you're not careful, be careful, your tongue has got the power of death. And that will be the first thing it will produce if you don't guard it, if you don't rule over it. 
So please don't underestimate. You know, as I say, many years ago, I went to look at this subject. I thought we would do it for a few weeks. We looked at this for 32 weeks, just understanding body, soul, and spirit. So please don't think you understand it, because believe me, you probably don't. You probably don't. It's, it's, there's a mountain of stuff in here, but I believe it sets us free if we see it, at least to a degree. The last one is the decision-making, and that's Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. If you turn to that, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, to be carnally minded, that's to be naturally minded, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures. I'm almost through. Look at the, uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 10. I want to show you something. Luke's gospel, chapter 10, and verse 27. Luke's gospel, chapter 10, and verse 27. This is a, a bunch of people who have gathered around Jesus Christ, and they are very sincere, and they want to know how to follow God. You know, folks, I don't know about you, some of the Friday nights recently... I don't know how to put it, except to say this, Elizabeth, it's an honor to be with you and pray. Sin ye, it's an honor. Kehiso, you know the God that I know. That's all I can say. And some of the cries and some of the tears and some of the intimacy that has been taking place in that prayer meeting, it's just, it's beyond words when you hear someone else's spirit. It's just, it's a blessing. It's a fantastic thing, wonderful thing. When someone's changed their mind and they're speaking from down here, they're crying out from their gut, you know? Just fantastic. That's what these people were doing. They go to Jesus and they really mean it. And they say, Jesus, please help us to grow. How do we, you know, get further? How do we develop self-mastery, self-control? And look at what Jesus says to them and what Jesus would also say to you this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And answering them, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Oh, I got to love God with my mind. My, this is the New Testament. And with all my strength and with all my mind. I see. So Jesus knows exactly what's wrong with me. Here's a group of very sincere people and they don't know what's wrong with them. And they go to Jesus, help us, help us grow. And Jesus said, well, actually it's very simple. The problem is you get hyper-spiritual sometimes just because you've got a spirit, you know. But you've got to remember that you've also got a mind there and you need to learn to love me with that, to transform that, as we'll see in a moment. I'll never forget a Christian lady that I worked with. I worked with her in the world. And she came in one day, and she was a little irked at her life, a little upset, disappointed with her life. And she had a bit of a heart-to-heart -heart with me. She sat, and she said, Can I ask you a question? Why? Why is my friend so nice? And I'm so horrible. Why is my friend such a lovely Christian? She's so sweet. She's so godly. And then there's me. And I look at the example that she is to her kids and, 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 and the wife that she is. And then I look at me and I think, God, what did you make me like this for? How come she's got such peace and I seem to have such carnality? Well, Romans chapter 8, what did we just read? The carnal mind is death, and the spiritual mind is life and peace in that life. And that woman had a very common problem amongst Christians, and it's this. People believe that there's haves and have-nots. They think in the kingdom, and you can be excused for doing this, of course. They look around the church, and they it's very easy to make the mistake to think God must love some people more than others. God seems to have blessed this person this way, and, oh, and then, of course, there's me. And that's so far off the mark. And I remember, you know, sharing with that woman, listen, my friend, Scripture is very clear. God is no respecter of persons. 
You know, Jeanette is an extremely patient person. And it's the easiest thing in the world for me to say, oh, well, that's you. I'm just impatient. That's just me. No, 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 no. Not so easy. The same fruit of patience is available to me and you. Amen. And the same kingdom is available to all of us. It all, it's, it's all down to your mental attitude. It's down to whether you believe it, because if you believe it, you will receive it. It will become your reality. And I had to say to that woman, no, 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 you think of yourself as a, as a bad Christian, and therefore you are a bad Christian. As a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. So is he. Proverbs. Just the way you think of yourself. The problem with you is not that you're a bad person. The problem is the product of your mind. You're not thinking straight. You're not thinking biblically. Forgot your helmet. And that's a very common mistake, miscomprehension people make about themselves. And I hate to see it because it's a sad sight. You see, friends, please listen. There are not haves and have-nots. Do you know what there are? There are those who have renewed their minds, trained their tongue, and got quality actions, and there are those who have not. That's what there is. And in any group that you work with, it's always the same. Everything's available to all of us. You see, guys, let me tell you something very clear. Your spiritual growth is not my responsibility. I got one very weak amen at the back, whoever that was. Thank you. <laughs> Your spiritual growth is not my... Listen, you're all qualified. Nearly everybody here has qualifications. Are your, are your results in college your lecturer's responsibility? And yet we come into churches, believe me, it's called projection, and project onto the leadership or the church our own... You're crazy. That's, if you have a mindset like that, you will reject personal responsibility. You will never grow. You can say amen right there. You are responsible for your growth. The lecturer in college is responsible to provide you with the best material, the best guidance, the best teaching that he can do. That's his job. And in Ephesians, if you don't believe me, go home and read the book of Ephesians. For I have appointed leaders over you to supply you with that, to raise you up and to train you. You. But it is only you that can do it. Why are there haves and have-nots? I'll tell you why. Because some people get it. Some people get it and they say, what's that line? If it's going to be, it's up to me. If this is going to be, this is up to me. I'm sorry for using NCAM as an example, but Friday night was very good, very funny. She was telling us her story. That was great. Sorry, it was great. <laughs> she was saying about a few years ago, you see, she's lonely and she wanted a husband. Not just any husband, she wanted a white one. A white one. So she said she got up, got up in front of everybody and she said out loud, Lord, I want a British white man. Jim, give us a wave. There he is. <laughs> See, we're, listen, if your mouth doesn't work, it's not your mouth actually that's the problem. It's your mind. When the mind is not renewed, the mouth doesn't work. When the mind, and I've been talking about prayer, and I'm delighted to hear you pray. But one sure thing, folks, I tell you, when you have a group of Christians in a room, and some of them can't pray. They can't even open their mouths. It's got nothing to do with their mouth. It's actually their brain. It's their mind. They're locked in some world there, self-defeating world. And all that was with Enkim was someone who could see if it's going to be, it's not up to anybody else. If it's going to be, it's up to me, and I'm going to go get it. Now you can say amen. Come on. If your life is going to change, it's not actually up to me. So quit looking this way. If your life is going to change, you can look in the mirror because God very firmly puts the reins upon you. I remember finishing Bible college. 
And it was a good, it was fine Cardiff University. I went there for two years, but at the end of the thing, man, I didn't, I didn't feel as if I had learned enough, you know? I took a year off, and I, I wrote my own notes. I went through the Bible myself from cover to cover. I developed 26 handwritten volumes on, on characters, doctrines, the whole story. Because I wasn't going to wait on anybody else or rely on someone else. Because I thought to myself, if this is ever going to be, it's not up to anybody else. It's up to me. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to do this myself. And I mean it. I locked myself, not locked, but I went into a room for a whole year and just immersed myself in that because I understood no one's going to help me with this. This is my problem and I must solve it. And so it is with your life. And I challenge you, take it. That's what Proverbs does. It challenges us and asks us to make a fresh assessment of where we are in this whole thing of discipleship or self-mastery. But just to reinforce the point of how important your mind is. Could I have this slide up there, please, with the different types of benefits that the mind will have, the the mind and what it will affect. Take a look at these. Your thinking, the scripture says in Proverbs 17, a cheerful heart gives life to the bones. Your mind, your thinking can affect your health, can affect your well-being. And I'm sure there's plenty of doctors will back that up here this morning. Stress is a 50% of of sicknesses are stress-related or have their origins in stress out of the mind. The largest category of drugs that are prescribed, at least in America, are what? <laughs> Mind-altering drugs. mind alt Man, people just can't seem to live in their own mind, can they? They want to change it. They don't know how. I know I'll try some drugs. They don't know where the answer lies. Well, they try to get peace from a bottle. But you know what the problem is with that? The carnal mind. That's where they are, but the Bible says the spiritual mind is peace. Peace. The peace they're looking for is in Christ. The peace they're looking for, that spiritual peace we're all looking for, is actually found when you're in good relationship with God. So your health is greatly affected by your mind. Your confidence, it goes without saying, if you have good parents who know what they're doing, you will grow up with confidence. But if you don't, if you get slapped down all your life, you maybe will lack confidence because your brain, your mind, your thinking will lead you that way. Listen, I had a great family, but it was far from perfect. Remember? (laughs) What were the two most common words I heard? Shut up! (laughs) Shut up! Shut up! Over and over. But you know what, folks? As soon as I got saved, guess what, pal? I changed my mind. I'm not going to shut up. And I've been talking ever since. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The third thing, turn to the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. This talks about the mind. For a good tree brings forth fruit. This talks about your conduct. The way you behave comes out of your mind. It comes out of your thinking. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For a good tree brings forth corrupt. Uh, sorry, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt uh, fruit. Blah. King James version always ties my tongue. You know what it says. <laughs> a, a bad tree brings forth bad fruit out of what's in it. In other words, conduct. Your conduct is actually coming out of your thinking. If you think you're an angry person, you're gonna be an angry person. Think unhappy, be unhappy, right? It's emanating out of that. And I believe God is a good God. I'm sure you do too. But His ability or His, his ability to bless me is, is so often dependent upon where I'm at with my ability to receive. You get your thinking straight and you won't have to chase blessings. Blessings will chase you. You get your thinking straight. You get your own house in order and you will be fine. I I told you Alan Hewitt is a very good pastor in Newport in in Wales, and one of his families in his church, um, he he used to go and see them, but they were filthy. 
they were filthy. They never had a bath. The house was filthy. The, they had newspapers over the windows, and they were just an absolute mess. And they were trying to help this family straighten themselves out, but they just couldn't seem to do it. And then the, 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 the wife in that home, her mother died. And her mother was the opposite. Her mother was a meticulously clean person. The mother died, and she left her home to that family. And Pastor Allen went down and said, Now look, guys, God's given you a new start. Here you go. You're going to be able to clear out all the rubbish. You're going to be able to move. And they were all excited. Yes, this is it. And they moved in. <laughs> How long do you think? A couple of months. And everything is upside down again. Because you can change your location. But if you don't change your thinking... You will replicate the same behavior because the behavior is not so much to do with the location. The behavior's got to do with the way you're thinking, and that's what you're producing. Romans chapter 1 says that your sexual behavior, that that comes out of your mind. In fact, this is a great scripture. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, in their thinking... God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now, I don't, don't know if you won't go into that this morning, but it's a fantastic piece of Scripture there. What God is actually saying was, they had a reprobate mind, a corrupt mind. They wouldn't sanctify it. So God handed them over and said, you know, okay, off you go. Your money is affected by your thinking. The Scripture says, if you get rich quick, you're going to get poor quick, and that money will fly through your hands. You can become a millionaire today, but you may be broke tomorrow, plain and simply, because you can have the money of a millionaire, but not the, not the mind. And so God knows, He knows what He's talking about here, and He understands you better than you understand yourself. And He will start at the right place. Man, when I was a child, I talked first and thought second. And then the produce was awful. It was corrupt. It was a bad life. And Paul changes his ways. And he says, now I am a man. I'm going to think straight first. I'm going to train my thinking and bring it under God's control. See, folks, the strength, you have got potentially great strength. Potentially. But that strength is... It's got to be focused, right? And one of the debilitating things about Christians is they disperse their strength. And I thank God I've never done that. People clamber after me for a thousand things, but I'm not interested. I want to focus my strength. Many years ago, we concentrated as a church all our energy on one thing, healing morning, noon, and night. We fasted. We prayed. We focused. We focused on every scripture. We had testimonies. Listen to this. And as I was focused, the Word became, became powerful in me for healing. And I'm walking down O'Connell Street in Dublin, and I get a phone call about a child who's just about to die. And when I got that phone call, I tell you what, the Word of God was alive in me for healing. And I went, and that child was healed. But I knew it. In fact, the doctors at one point said, but five hours life left. And I remember prophesying back, no, no, this child will live. This child will leave this hospital. And that's faith, you see. My point is this. God is in heaven, and He's looking down on the city of Dublin and there's all these Christians, but they're not focused. They're not focused. And there's a sick child. He intends to heal that child. So what does he look for? Looks for a hand. He looks for a believer who's focused. And that's the only reason why that call came to me. The call came to me because I was ready, focused to receive it. You've got power within you but it can be dispersed. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion tamer. It's an amazing sight. If you see, they let this 
beast, and I've looked into a lion's eyes. It was behind a cage, but I'll never forget that. I didn't expect it. I was walking around a park, and there's a big cage around Dublin Zoo, you know, and you can walk around the outside. And I, I knew the lion cage was there, but I happened to look back, and the lion was there, and it looked back at me. Wow, that thing is fierce. You know, I understood what the Bible meant. The lion retreats before nothing. That's a scary beast. But you know what? You can stop it. You can go into a room. There's a lion here. I can stop it. Anybody want to try? <laughs> but you can stop it. It's actually very, very simple. What does the lion tamer do? Excuse me, Brenda. What does he do? He takes a very simple thing. Here's this you know, ravenous beast. And the lion tamer simply walks in, not a problem, and walks up to the lion and does that, and the beast is tamed. And everybody goes, how did, how did you do it? How did you do it? Very simple. Even though you're such a mighty being, the lion has an inability for multiple focus. It can't. That's why Clarence, the cross-eyed lion, right? A lion cannot focus on more than one thing at the same time. So when you hold up four options, the lion just goes to pieces and actually chooses none. The lion chooses none. And it is totally subdued. And believe me in your life, you will have many options. And I'm not going to go down this road because I think you have heard enough. You can now decide. But your mom, your dad, your peers, your friends, yourself, they've all got options for you, my friend. And the trouble is the true strength within you can be debilitated because you look at all this and you end up doing nothing in kingdom terms. It's not a mistake I made. Don't make it because you've only got one shot at it. You've only got one life. You know, a pastor was walking through the streets of New York, and he walked past a tattoo shop. And as he walked by, he noticed in the, in the window, one of the tattoos said this. It said, born to lose. And he, he laughed. He thought, man, imagine someone having born to lose put on their arm, you know. So, pastor, he thought, I'll go back. I'm interested in that. So he goes back. He knocks the door, this Chinese guy in there. And he says, I'm sorry, uh, uh, illustrations are interesting to me. I saw the thing in the window, born to lose. Does anybody ever get that? And the Chinese guy says, oh, yes, very popular, that one. They love that one, born to lose, you know. And the guy said, wow, imagine putting that on your arm, huh? And he goes to leave. And the old guy says, <clears throat> before tattoo on body, tattoo on Hallelujah. Just what the Bible says. And some people feel that way because they think that way. But you weren't born to lose. You most certainly were not born to lose. You were born to win. And that is the Father's good pleasure. It's not His will. I know the plans I have. I know my will for you. He's not the problem. Who's the problem? <laughs> we are the problem. So if you do what these apostles did when they turned to Jesus and they said, God, this time, they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They said, God, teach us how to grow up. Proverbs. Teach us how to mature. And he says, okay, no problem. But it might not be, I'm going to tell you what you might not think. You need to get your everything in order and it starts with your thinking. Remember, folks, there's a list of things that God does and there's a list of things that only you can do, and he will never do them. He doesn't touch them. And one of those is the renewing of my mind. And I can complain about it all my life, but God doesn't get involved in the renewal of your thinking. That's your part. He saved you. He put his spirit in you. You've got a born-again spirit. Now it's over to you to advance your salvation in your mind. And day one of that, it's, it's very much, I think, like joining the army. Day one, you get your uniform, you get your gun, and you get your target. And in Ephesians, in fact, let's read it because this is just 
simply fantastic. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Look at this. Ephesians 4, 17. Solomon says it. Paul says it. And here we have it in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their what? Thinking and their minds. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your form of way of, your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new, that's your spirit taking over your mind, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Could I have my sign-up list? Thank you. Take a look at these things here. God simply says to you, oh, are you serious? Are you serious about joining the army of God, if you like, and being transformed? Well, here's your uniform. It's the armor of God, of God Himself. You need to, first of all, take some things off and get rid of some old, carnal, worldly ways. Rage, hate, evil, spite, bitterness, gossip, revenge, and put on the armor of God. Put on the ways of God. This is your uniform. Love, grace, forgiveness, peace, truth, righteousness. These are the things that must clothe us. You see, folks, as a Christian, you never, ever touch those tools. Because if you, even against the devil, even against the devil, the rage and the bitterness can infect our system. The Bible says, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And one of the tricks the devil plays in Christians, you see Christians being so nasty to other Christians, you think, how did you, how did you get like that? Well, the devil tricked them into using his tools against him. And then it wasn't very long before they used his tools against each other. And you see Christians behaving in ways that they should never do. Now, many people have, I, I used a Purjanette, she gets a, a lot of examples made from her. Thank God for them, mind you, because they're very good. Jeanette, years ago, we were in the church in Dublin, and a lady had really, really hurt her. This woman hated Jeanette, and she really had a problem with her. And she said something really nasty, really bad, a woman was going out. I was going into the church, and Jeanette was behind a table, and she was wounded, hurt, bleeding inside, all cut up, and angry, you know? And she's like, <sighs> and I remember walking up to her, and it's like you've got choices, you see, in life. And before her, on one side, are the weapons of God, the weapons of light, taking self-control, self-mastery. And then there's all the anger and the bitterness and all that usual stuff. And I remember as she was there and she was extremely hurt, I said to her, what are you going to do? What are you going to choose? What are you going to do? And in those few seconds of choice, she said these words, and I'll never forget them. She said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Just got the right way. Just about, to, just about to act out of my carnal mind, my old self, and I suddenly remember I'm a born-again Christian. I have put on the armor of God. I will not overcome evil with evil. I will pray for that woman. Hallelujah. That's God. That's God's armor. And when you fight in God's army, you represent Him. Listen, folks, do not... Treat other people the way they treat you. Don't treat other people the way that they treat you. 
Don't deal in the, in the devil's ways in any of this. Renew your mind. Change your thinking. And that will bring you to a place of maturity. Secondly and, and lastly, Proverbs talks about your tongue. And it's like your gun, right? Each of us has that tongue within us. We have that powerful, powerful tool. What's the most dangerous part of your body? For Jeanette, it's her elbow because she goes it after me all the time. What's the most dangerous part of your body? It is your tongue, my friend. And that tongue is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing for both good and evil. The power of death and of life are in your tongue. Listen to me. Please look up. So what's the plan, God? The plan is this. Be aware that you've got this power. Bang! Bang! Wounding people, hurting people, even hurting yourself. Be aware of the power of words. Now, shh, you're not a child, are you? You're not a baby. Babies talk, and then they think. You stop talking a moment and start to take aim with your thoughts. Line your thoughts up with my word. Get a fresh understanding of my will for you and make that your thoughts, that my plans are good towards you. Train your mind, transform your mind. And then when you feel right, you can start to take aim and get actions in your life, get a direction for your life. And then it can start to pray and it starts to come out of your mouth and you start to create that world, realizing you're not a have-not. You are not a have-not. You're just simply someone who has maybe never obeyed the Word of God that says, renew your mind. Remember, the book of Romans, by far the most complex book in the Bible, incredibly difficult book to study. And the book is a mountain. And the top of that mountain, you know, few people see it. And you're blessed even to be here today to hear this. Paul, such an apologist. Paul explains the whole gospel from Adam and Abraham and Moses, and he brings it all to a great pinnacle of conclusion. And I can hear him jumping off the page with excitement. And he said, do you get it? Romans 12. Therefore, you will only be changed by the renewing of your mind. And then he goes on into... Jewish history. It's his conclusion to you. And it's the goal of Proverbs. It's Paul's goal in Ephesians. So I ask you, how, how is your thinking? Nice and simple. And train it up. Train your mind up. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you get a target, start praying. And don't stop. Some of you give up. You know that? You give up too soon. You pray things like getting pregnant and then aborting the baby. You pray a prayer and you do not see it through to completion. And it's not always that simple, you see, friends. It's not always that simple. Remember Illumide? How could you forget Illumide? Illumide gave us a great, great, great example he, he, about the nature of prayer. Womack says the same thing. Andrew Womack says this. If he's praying something, he's got it in his mind that it's God's will for him. And now it starts coming out of his mouth. But it's not there. Because maybe he doesn't have the faith for it, you know? It's just words. As you believe in your heart, you have to believe, and confess with your mouth, then you will have it. So he's got the word in his mouth, but he doesn't have the faith for it. And Womack said a great thing. I'll, I'll never forget it because it's a life changer for me. He said, just keep praying it. Just keep praying it. Pray it and pray it and pray it. Because you know what? One day you'll get it. One day you'll pray that same prayer and this time you'll get it. And Illumide was giving us an example one day. And he said, say your breakthrough is the fact that there's a blockage in your life and you just can't seem to get through. You've knocked. And you've knocked. And you've knocked. 
And you've not. But God's not answering. Don't stop. God's not answering. Don't stop. Okay. You know what? I will just, I will just keep it. Yeah. Just keep knocking. Just keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking. Because if you keep knocking, Jesus gives a promise. But only to those who keep knocking. He says this. To those who do not stop, the door will open. If your mind is not renewed and you walk away and you give up, well, you just didn't persevere. And then you blame God or blame yourself. On Friday afternoon, we prayed all afternoon, and I prayed a prayer with Jeanette that I must have prayed thousands and thousands and thousands of times over and over. And as I prayed that prayer, something happened. I see things, you know. And as I prayed the same old prayer, there he is again. But this time something happened, and I didn't expect it. You know what happened? I heard from God. Very simple. I believe God said to me, I've heard you. What? What? <laughs> I didn't even know if I was praying that, like even with oomph. You know, I just prayed it because I've always prayed it and never gave up. And because you didn't give up, you don't know the day of his passing. You don't know the moment. And provided, provided you don't stop, you can receive the promises of God. So change your thinking, please, in Jesus' name. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then when your thoughts get straightened out in line with his word, it's safe to start to speak. And when you speak the truth in power, you'll begin to create your world and then things will start changing. You're not a have-not. You're not a have-not. You're just maybe someone who is not trained in these ways. So make today the day that you enlist in God's army. Amen? Just bow your heads. I'll invite the worship team back. Father God, we take this word seriously. Would you bind it on our hearts? Deep within us, God. I pray we would leave this place and make a, a fresh commitment to self-mastery, to, to growing in God and in all your ways. Lord, would you change our minds? And I pray for everyone here that we would be spirit-led people. Let the spirit within us rise up and begin to take control, mastery of our lives. You are not a have-not. You are equally loved as with all children of God. Hallelujah. Let's just stand.